0: Hi, I'm Lauren Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a long-time gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are here for another podcast and finishing up 1 Corinthians as part of the Come Follow Me lesson plan for 2019. Now, today we are at the culminating last big major issue that Paul's going to address with the Corinthians. What is it? Well, that's up next. First, before we jump in, I do want to give a shout out. We've had a lot of uh, not North Americans joining us recently, so I want to give a shout out to the UK, Russia, Italy. Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, really exciting. I'll try to keep some of my references less North American for all of you. So welcome, welcome. It's great to have you guys. It's really exciting, uh, the support for the podcast, so I appreciate each and every one of you. Yes, you especially. And my mom, who promises she listens multiple times a day. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians. Um, So as you recall, the letter is Paul's writing to the people in Corinth and they're having a lot of problems now the reason we keep hitting that is because it makes sense in the structure that there's going to be kind of he's going to define Paul's going to define the problem and then he's going to respond with the gospel so we've gone through divisions kind of the popularity contest and that the answer was Christ that he it isn't about the different teachers it's about Christ they talked about uh immorality in chapters five through seven and then we learned that uh, Jesus died for our sins and for the broken relationships and sexual misconduct and then our bodies will be raised And so these things were important in chapters 8 through 10 We had the issue of food and how it distract detracts from others potentially uh, And then 11 through 14 we basically did a group of things But they talked about the the church gathering that they were having whether it was speaking in tongues and the gifts and finally love And how the charity and love, pure love of Christ, would bring us together. And then finally, we get to this chapter 15. Uh, Chapter 16 is mostly final greetings, and there's a lot of cool people mentioned in there, but we won't touch on that. So chapter 15 it is. It's a long one. It even has some scripture chase, scripture, scripture mastery, if I remember right. So here's what he hits. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna jump in on verse 12. But before then, let me tell you what he says first is. Basically, he's saying, now, lastly, everybody, you know, I'm I'm telling you that this gospel was preached and you've received it. And so you're saved, right? You've accepted the gospel. And then he's basically saying, but remember what the gospel was, is that Christ died for our sins. And then he repeats that he died and he was buried and he rose the third day. And it even says here that according to the scriptures, so both Old Testament and maybe some writings of the gospels are already getting out at this point. And then he says, and he was seen by Peter and the rest of the 12. Um, And then later, even 500 people. And then James, later James, which uh, was probably the brother of Jesus. Remember, Jesus's family weren't really followers except for maybe his mother. And then his brothers, and and we know he had a couple of sisters at least, uh, seemed to be following him later. And this is probably that James. And then Paul throws himself in there and he says, and and you know, I saw him too. And remember, he's like, and I was like that guy that really wasn't worthy, if you remember, because I used to persecute the saints, but even, I, you know, I've seen him. So so you are, we all know that that's fundamental to the gospel, that Christ died and was resurrected bodily, in a, in a bodily form, and that's their issue. There seems to be a group that didn't believe in the physical resurrection, physical resurrection. So that one's a little bit... Well, maybe, maybe it's weird for us, but I think that one's a little bit weird for us. I think we're like, oh yeah, we believe in the physical resurrection that Jesus will be physically resurrected. And so will we all will be resurrected uh, regardless of um, status elsewhere, that this is the free gift that Christ gives all of us. But they were struggling with that idea. Um, so before I jump into why they might be struggling, think about a principle maybe of the atonement, a resurrection something that maybe we don't quite get and i think it's a good application but a couple of reasons probably why they didn't understand it was there especially in remember this is a really greek city and uh additionally the the jews weren't really clear depending on what group of jews they were for example the sadducees weren't didn't believe in resurrection either so Uh, So the Greeks didn't, the Greeks, a lot of, one of the really common philosophies of the day, and it carried through a lot of philosophical groups, um, and some of which you'll hear are some of the Gnostics, uh, are are that they don't think the body means anything, that that it's kind of carnal and polluted and and earthy and dirty and in kind of figurative sense. And so that it was your spirit was the spiritual part. And so that if Christ was the spiritual being, that that wasn't part of it and so they didn't get it um and i i do think we sometimes fall trapped to this a little bit that i think we really focus on uh, other parts of the atonement perhaps or on the blessings of being clean and forgiven of our sins but sometimes we don't focus as much on the resurrection i think we focus on it when we're sick when we're close to dying when we've lost someone then we're like i am really really glad that I know they will live again as they are, right? It's the personality and person that they are in their body. So we're we're a little bit the same, but they were definitely having that problem. And so he is preaching that. So go to verse 12. I'm in chapter 15, verse 12. And he says, so he's going to, he's trying to prove a point, right? He's he's not just telling him, just do it because I say so. He's trying to prove it. And he says, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no be no resurrection of the dead then is christ not risen and if christ be not risen then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain yea and we are found false witnesses of god but we because we have testified of god that he raised up christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead not rise not for if the dead rise not then is not quite christ raised and if christ be not raised your faith is in vain ye are yet in your sins then ye also which are fallen asleep in christ are perished if in this life only we have hope in christ we are all men most miserable so he's setting it and he's saying wait a minute um if there isn't any resurrection then christ couldn't have been risen except that was the test there's the whole thing we've been testifying to you so how did you get so far off and then he even says hey that is part of the fundamentals he says if uh, they uh, verse 18 then they also which are fallen asleep in christ are perished everyone else too has no hope either and so he says this is crazy we don't the, there's no hope if we don't have hope of resurrection and then we come to the kicker. He says in verse 12 and onward, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Uh, powerful words, right? That, hey, this is the good news of the gospel. This is a core fundamental That Christ was the first one to be resurrected Um, I want to point out a word that he uses Uh, he uses the word slept and he uses sleep and sleeping quite a bit so go back and see there are a couple more times that he uses that verb uh, and actually a couple different ways he uses that word but it's a a real different world and I think it lends more to the idea of hope that this is just something temporary instead of some meaningless existence or just destruction or chaos which is how they would have thought of it as uh, greeks they they're saying hey this is just sleep it's just sleep and so it has much more hope peace uh, a pause uh, before we are resurrected so powerful and then first fruits uh think back to this is a very Jewish reference, but think back to the first fruits. Anybody think back on that? What is he talking about when he says first fruits? I'll give you a hint, it has to do with uh, the law of sacrifice in the temple, old temple, in the tabernacle. So check out Leviticus 23 9 through 20. I'm not going to read it, but one of the uh, commandments that they were given is to bring their first crops the first fruits right so the very first crops that you grew and you offered them to the Lord so that was your first offering so it it's meaningful in that uh, ask yourself why did they bring the first why didn't they bring the last why didn't they bring second week after it ripened up a little why did they bring the very first of their crops that they gathered in a season Why did they bring those and offer those to the Lord? Then what other sacrificial offerings were offered that were first? Do you remember? They offered different sacrifices, had different meanings, but they offered the grains offerings, this one. And then they also offered the firstborn lamb, right? You remember back to Exodus and the Passover. And Christ is the firstborn, but also he is the first fruit. He is the first to be resurrected as offered to the Lord. Additionally, um, because he was the first that was resurrected, he's that. But also those who accept and endure to the end in faithfulness are symbolically belonging to the Lord as well. And then in Revelation, it talks about that uh, those who follow the Lamb will be the first fruits. And in Doctrine and Covenants 88, we learn that those who descend with Christ in the first resurrection are the first fruits. So just an interesting aside, if you hadn't put that together, kind of cool. I love those references. So it's funny, he's speaking probably mostly to Greeks, but certainly some uh, Jews there and us, right? We have it. So he keeps going. So um, let's look at a couple other things. Now, there are a couple scriptures in here that are like, the highlighted. So if you think of 1 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 15, there are probably two groups of power scriptures that you would go to, or you know that they're there. You might not remember everything else, but you would go to. So you know what I'm talking about, right? It's 29. And he says this, and uh, it was a favorite in missionary days. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Okay, so this one... Is what we always use to say. See, there are baptisms for the dead, and it's absolutely true. Um, people sometimes try to kind of unravel this, but most scholars think, no, no, they knew that baptisms by proxy were performed even up until the uh, second, and third century. There are lots of records of it. But what I find so interesting isn't that he's using, explaining baptisms of the of the dead. He's explaining resurrection, and he's using something that they totally understand baptism for the dead, to explain something they don't understand, which is like flip flop for our generation, right? We, um, and and certainly not always the members, but uh, the the Latter day Saints get this, but some others might not get this, right? That they're like, Well, um well if we're gonna be resurrected, how are people supposed to be baptized? I don't know, right? (laughs) So they get resurrection but don't get how the baptism thing's gonna work, and we do the opposite. So he is using Paul is using an argument here to say why in the world are we even doing baptisms for the dead if people don't get resurrected? Why, if the dead don't rise, if there isn't a resurrection, why are we doing baptisms for the dead? And, and Because remember, he's trying to explain to them that resurrection was real. So there you go. Um, there are, again, let me pull up a couple of quotes for you um, on that historical thing for you. If you don't like that, skip ahead in a minute, but I'm going to record that for a second. Hold on, let me grab it. Okay, the first one, I'm just going to spend a second on this. The first one is that you'll notice that he clearly is referring to proxy baptism, and it's something that was practiced. We also know that we definitely have a Chrysostom. Uh, I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure. But says that the Marcionites, which was a group um, in, uh, I think it's a 2nd and 3rd century, definitely practiced it. So we know there are references there. Some believe that they were not... Uh, orthodoxy it wasn't a good practice we obviously know that there's an apostasy but we do know that they are attested to in at least the second century and we can see that they clearly understood it here and Paul doesn't have anything negative to say about it of course he's just using it so interesting definitely being used um through the first couple hundred years of Christianity in other sources go figure cool cool all right the next one Um, The next one that you say, what's the power scripture that you go to in 1 Corinthians 15? I know you're thinking about it and you're like, Lori, get there quick. And so it is in verse 40. And it's this one. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection resurrection of the dead it is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption so does this one sound familiar a lot of times we'll talk about this as a reference to the celestial kingdom the terrestrial kingdom differing levels and certainly differing levels of resurrection so that's kind of a go-to so there's just these things he's trying to explain so clearly that uh it's clear to us but wasn't always clear to the corinthians so what is he saying here let's go back a second and lead into this contextually and see what we think he's saying besides just there are other levels let's go back so remember paul here is explaining that resurrection and is a real thing and then he's going in and saying he kind of leads into the saying hey i i've struggled i've had some things but he's going to I like how he says in 33, he's like, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. (laughs) I think he's saying, don't hang around with the wrong people. Um, But that's a funny way to say it. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And then he says, awake to righteousness and sin not. And some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So he's kind of, it seems like he's introducing a proverb. Uh, This proverb is found also in other Greek texts. Uh, a number of them and then he's again he's saying here that the wrong company is um is a bad idea hanging out with the wrong people will lead you to believe the wrong things again it's probably a proverb we don't have it's a greek proverb and then he says so why do people keep talking about this like this is and he gets kind of aggressive he's like this is stupid (laughs) you guys are so stupid and i love you 34 he's like come back to your senses basically awake to righteousness like come on figure it out And he said, uh, if people are supposed to be such plain thinkers in this Greek world, why why are they saying such stupid things? Uh, Paul doesn't mince words if you haven't figured it out. Um, So then he goes on to explain that we all have a body and that there's, he uses this metaphor of a seed and a body. And remember, if you look at a seed, a seed doesn't look anything like a tree when it's done or a plant, but it still is part of the plant. And so as its seed becomes a tree our bodies will become different they will become different and there are different levels in the resurrection so he's saying there are some that are celestial and some that are terrestrial and they're different levels just like the sun moon and stars have different levels so still explaining the resurrection Uh, big insights here big insights we don't always think that there are different levels but he's clearly describing something here one idea that I like that he's giving us here is that I think Paul is saying that God has given us bodies that are fitted for our life on earth. And he's also willed and given us a chance that in our heavenly existence, we'll have bodies fitted for that as well. Uh, It's, I think it's fundamental to Paul's thought that he thinks that there's this afterlife that will be infinitely more glorious, right? That while it's great now, it's so much more glorious so take a step back what he's doing is telling those people that don't aren't clear there's a resurrection in corinth that if you think it's good now that's crazy think about how great it's going to be later so if you like your body now think about it as a celestial body it will be so much better um in 50 verse 52 he says that um they will be glorified so they will be, they'll have glorified. So he's he's giving us an idea that something in the afterlife will be infinitely better. Okay. So he's trying to answer this question. Are we going to be resurrected? What's it going to be like? And he um, is pretty aggressive. A little bit later in 36, he's like, he says, like, you idiot. Thou fool. <laughs> you, Thou fool. He's like, how obvious is this? And he goes on. So that's kind of the gist. And then I think we, he softens a little as he finishes. And he says in verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall bear the image of the heavenly. Ah, beautiful! Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God; neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Right? We have to become something better. Behold, I show unto you a mystery: we shall not all we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And then he goes on, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our our Lord Jesus Christ. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He's saying, we're going to rise again, and it's going to be so much better. And that death, that terrible final end is gone. And now we rise, right? We just sleep. Um, powerful message about how the resurrection is indispensable and that it's giving hope for our world and that death will not have power over us. Uh, there's That is a great hope and a great way to end that we have hope that in Christ, we will live again in an even greater body and greater life. That's it. Um, we'll start up in Second Corinthians next time. I do have a favor. If you guys can really help share the podcast, the best way to do it, if you will do me a favor, share it. Share it with somebody. Share it on your uh, social media feeds. But the best way is to just type in the number 20 for 20 and the word minute, scriptorian, or my name, Lori Denning, and it will come up in various uh, either iTunes or Spotify or, or all over. And so if you can do that, share it. Let's um, help me get the word out. I really appreciate and especially welcome again to our international followers. We'll see you next time. On to 2 Corinthians.